This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, you know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. But we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families will never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. Now, that peace of mind means so much. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. It's Little Big Town Week on the Bobbycast. Yes, awesome. We had had Jimmy on, and so you can check that out. Uh, This is Karen. This is day number one, although I guess it'd be day number, well, day number one this week. But the Jimmy Westbrook one just went up. And Mike and I were talking. We have all four members from all the different years, and they all tell a different story that weaves in to the story of Little Big Town. They all tell their story. So pretty cool. I like this this thing we're doing this week. So here we go. Uh, she wanted to, you know, make the – She was, her and, uh, and Kimberly were the two that made the group. They just – it was those two. And they were together in Alabama, and they were like, let's do this group. And so this is Karen – Sometimes she's the group's lead singer. I'd say most of the time. I'm always a little weird about calling her that, though. Not because I don't think it, but because I don't know what they think about yeah. that. Because everybody sings, but I think she sings more of the radio songs. But she talked about the gospel band that she was in before Little Big Town. The full story of the connection with them and Rascal Flats. I mean, Jimmy talked about that, too, in the last episode. We didn't ask him. It's funny how he up. got there. How it was Kimberly Karen, Jimmy, and Joe Don. But also, they had put Gary in the band before Jimmy got there. Just just trying stuff out. So, this is from 2000, 2017. Are you kidding me? Yeah, way back. Wow. Here we go. Episode 66 from back in the day. Karen Fairchild, the first one we did. Little Big Town Week. I hope you like this episode. More coming up this week. Little Big Town Week on the Bobbycast. All right, welcome to... Where are we at, Mike? Episode 66 of the Bobbycast. And with Karen Fairchild from Little Big Town. Hi, Karen. Hello. We tried to do this before. I know, that was my fault. And we got bumped for some little show. The Voice or something. Is that what it's called? It was The Voice. So, <laughs> because that was the finale, right? Mm-hmm. And who did you sing with? Lauren. Lauren? Yeah, I she's saw, got... Gosh, I, she's I saw got her sing the other voice. day at CMA Fest. Uh, pull that mic down. Get comfortable. Okay. Yeah, just do it. Grab it. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to mess up your fancy mic. You're, 
I think that might might have cost forty dollars. Really, it sounds good. It looks fancy. It is fancy. Yours is gold, but it's not real gold. <laughs> it's all smoke and mirrors up here. So when you go do a show like The Voice, they only call they call you a week at a time, less than no, that? no less than that. And they, I, I think it was less than that. It was like maybe three or four days, and they were, you know, trying to figure out what song and what she would sing on the finale. And I guess we were on her list. Well, we had blocked. What do you of, mean? of people that she really wanted to collaborate with. Oh, wow. So they get to actually make like a Santa's oh, wish list. I think so. And so they, I, and she had done Better Man on the show in the battle round. And, and so they had called Jason and said, is there any way? And he's like, well, they're off. And, and the Bobby cast. And the Bobby cast. <laughs> and, and so I was like, I think Bobby would probably understand if you let him know that it's the voice. He, I mean, he. You'll probably be okay if we reschedule. So, thank you. That's pretty cool, though, right? Like yeah, the finale. Yeah, it was awesome. And she didn't win, but you know what's funny? Country people do so well on that show. Oh. Because they one here's why this is my theory because I think everything is money. Everything's money to me. Right. Everything. So you money. think Blake couldn't win this year? I think that Blake can't win every year. I know. So. So they have to find years to not let him win. But country artists still spend money on music. Not artists, uh, buyers, consumers. Yeah, yeah. Either hard CDs. We still have the format where people buy the most, like 60% is still right. physical. And we download the most more so than stream. So they can sell music to country consumers. So if they can find the – my thing is every year they find one or two really good country people. They always and they, do. And they boost them up. Yeah. And so – and listen, I think – I didn't watch the show, but I watched enough of it to know – and I thought she should have won just by what I watched. But they can't let Blake win every year. I know. I know. Blake is, man, when he, like, engages his audience and says, don't y'all, I mean, the country fans are going to show us tonight what they think. I'm like, God, here he goes again. He's going to win again. And they do. I know. Like, everybody, it's all, I mean, I have such a weird, like, love-hate relationship with with this town. Sometimes I get really irritated. With the fans and the listeners, it's like, I've never seen anything like it before. I the loyalty say, and the loyalty. The, I don't deserve the, passion, the loyalty that like I get. They're very passionate. Like, don't you see when you go out? Like, they they wait weeks, months. Like, they take their money that they work. I know. And they come to a show. Yeah, they pick like a couple of shows they can do a year. You know, they can go to a year, and they they wait and they wait and they wait and they buy their tickets and they sit out front and it's it's amazing. That's why we're still here. I mean, it's funny whenever you say you're still here. Because I think to the average listener of country music, it would feel like you know you guys in the last five years have just become superstars. Like here's Little Big Town. Pah! Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't feel. I mean, I don't feel L- superstars. Less than, well, no, you guys are now. You're, you are. And, well, and it's time. And I don't say this to everybody. But it, it's time for you guys to be in that echelon of Entertainer of the Year. And it's weird to put a group in there. But if, but if Florida George Line can be in there, I think you can be in there. And they're they're not one person. Right. And I think once that kind of seal was broken, you can put a group in there. Well, Alabama used to be in there Absolutely. all the time. Okay. And I think Zach Brown should be in there. Oh, what a weird thing. And this is a weird thing for me, too. Whenever it's you guys against Zach Brown band, it's such a weird pull because I think that they're the greatest band in oh country music gosh. history. I, I, I just heard Chicken Fried on Big 98 a few minutes ago, and I was like, God, that record's still... It just, it's so, I just, I don't know, it still sounds so good. And he is what Entertainer of the Year, that's the definition. He when you're surrounds selling out, himself with such good people. Yeah, got that band. They're so good. 
And I've been able to see him 10 times. And uh, look, I have a good job. I get to go do cool things and right. be up close and do theater th- shows with Zach Brown. Man. They're so – I have said this before. I think that we – it's hard to see greatness when it's at arm's length. Usually you get to see it from a long way away. Luckily, right. we saw Tiger Woods whenever he was in his prime. Michael Jordan, I was a little too young for Michael Jordan to really respect that. But with Zach Brown Band, I was I, now I'm like, this is, to my, in my opinion, the greatest country band of all time. Yeah. Now, Alabama has way more hits, but I feel like as a band. You know, my point is, it's tough when you two are against each other. Well, yeah, and, and like Lady A, we're super close to them. I mean, everybody in that category, they're friends of ours, so it's... Yeah, but on the coolness factor, it's you two. It's you guys and Zach Brown Band. That's what everybody, that's what everybody fights about. Like, who should win? Not who do people like more, because everybody likes you guys more. Like, as people, because Zach's never here. And Zach's quiet and kind of aloof. I like Zach, because I've been lucky enough to spend time with him. If you just met Zach, you'd be like, what a weirdo. We used to tour with him. He, he opened up for us on the right when Chicken Fried was hitting. Um, he had We had booked, like, 15 dates with them opening for us, if you can believe that. Really? And, and were they chicken, good then? Like, oh, did my you hear gosh. Them and go, wow. Yeah, yeah, they were amazing. And, and Zach... Um, you know, I I love him and I respect him so much because he he could have left our little tour, and he kept that commitment, and it wasn't a lot of money, and and they were exploding and starting to be on the Grammy stage, and there they were out there keeping their commitment to us, and I I just respect him and the guys so much for that. Whenever people start talking about perseverance in the industry, and I guess my point was, just in the time that I've been in Nashville, four plus years. It's like watching you guys go boom. I remember watching Crook and Chase and whenever the Tornado record yeah. came out and you guys doing the Crook and Chase TV show. And, and I, cause I, I would watch Crook and Chase all the time. Yeah. And I remember you guys being on there with them when that record was coming out. I was like, huh, okay. Let me see what this group's all about. Got two. It's kind of like a boy band, but not really. <laughs> like I didn't know. Like, I, 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 like a boy band. I really didn't know. And I was, because I grew up in the... The 90s, era, the Arkansas 90s area, but then I checked out for a bit. I was like, this sounds not, I am not really into it. It kind of got into alternative and some hip hop stuff. Yeah. Um, came back around, obviously, which is what put me here, but I was like, let me let me find out about the Little Big Town group. And in that time, you guys have become superstars. But I guess my point is, how many label deals did you guys have? Have you had? Uh, let's see, four? You've had four record deals. I think. As yeah. a group. As a group. Does that mean you've been dropped three times? We have been dropped uh, Mercury. Sony, they don't care if I mean they don't care if we name it because no, this was care. eons ago. Um, I don't know what an eon is, but it's a big. Yeah. Term. It's a, it must be a long. And term. then uh, we were at uh, an indie label. That's where the road to here with Boondocks and Bring On Home. That record is the record that sold a million three, and that was the little indie label called um, Equity. <laughs> I almost forgot. <laughs> I almost forgot what the label is called. Equity, but so they're you- not in business anymore. You get dropped from two, and what mm-hmm. happened to Equity? Did they go away? They went away. They went yeah. away as in, like, they just, did you guys go on, a, like, a promotion from it, Equity because your record did well? No, uh, they were, it's like, you know, indie labels, it's always like a financial so it really just, battle. It, it dissolved, and then you were free agents again? And then, yes. Wow, three times. Yeah, and so then, that's when we felt like, wow, now people really want us, you know, because we had sold a million three on that record and and all of a sudden the people that had dropped us or rejected us, you know, during that time period were calling. And it was really fun. It's really fun. I love that. that Even, I mean, it was really fun to be popular for. Especially with people that rejected you. Like I had girls, sometimes girls would reach out on Facebook 
that rejected yeah. me, which is about every girl, by the way. <laughs> every, every girl, that, they've all rejected me, and they're all like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you good? I'm fine. Yeah, 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 I'm good. You know, talk, and I have a lot to talk about, but uh, Little White Church to me, did you feel like whenever Beyonce did Single Ladies, did she kind of so... <laughs> Do you feel no, but I do think like that's ours is like the hillbilly version of that. But wasn't you know? this before that? Um, I can't remember. Mike, you may want to Google that. But I would always, I would hear single ladies, and I'd be like, hmm, that sounds like, like maybe Beyonce maybe heard something about little no, white church. No, I highly doubt that. But um, I do think it's like the redneck version of that. Should have twins just now. Wow. They haven't put out a statement. You know what? I, I guess I don't. I, I think her dad said something. Yeah, he did. But I bet he's in trouble. Pro- probably on purpose. <laughs> I'm, I believe everything's calculated. Even, you do, even, even Matthew that? Knowles. Even Matthew Knowles, I believe, is calculated. Yeah, probably. He was a manager, so. Do you do you look at like pop culture stuff and watch like people? And- yeah, I, I mean, I do. I didn't happen to catch um, the worst dress thing on E the other night, but Philip told me that I made it. <laughs> for, for what? What the CMT? For the CMT awards. awards. And I usually watch E, and um, for some reason I must have missed it, but they didn't like my boots. And I planned my whole outfit around my boots. It, so For you to be a worst dressed though, because you have your own clothing line. Yeah. You just need to be on a list. It doesn't matter if it's worst well, or best. Well, that's what I say. It's like if, you, if you're on a red carpet, you're going to be on the worst list eventually. And but I, I was I didn't know it and Philip was like, Hey, I hope you didn't take that to heart <laughs> And I was like, Take what to heart? Oh, you didn't know I didn't even know. when he said that. And he goes, Oh, did you not see E? And I was like, Crap, no, what? But anyhow, I don't know. I think Kat Saller doesn't like me or something. If may, uh, I mean maybe I think she they does. just look for people to so, talk about. Here's the thing about good and bad. It matters. If you're on either one of them, if you're on the most powerful or the biggest douchebag list, and I've been on both, sometimes <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> That's when you know you're doing something right. If you're on the worst and the best you list. You just want to be on a list because that That's means you true. matter. That's like, true. How many years was it that you didn't matter? Like, oh. Forever, right? Forever. Who would have thought you'd be upset or at least and irritated I- that you didn't make E's <laughs> best You're on the worst dress list. Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, I, I mean, sometimes I just wear stuff because I just want to. And I know uh, and know that I'm going out there a little far and I don't care. So it didn't really shock me. But I was like, Dad, gum it. I do think that the boots were good. I don't even remember the boots. I know. I did- well, you've got a hot chick girlfriend, so. Uh, Yeah, for now. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how long she can put up with this. I get her oh, in more trouble. Oh, I know the drama. Well, no, just me in general. No, not even the drama. Not even just the drama. Just me as a person. <laughs> yes, just me. Are you hard to live with? I don't. Are you hard li- to love? She doesn't live with me. Well, you know what I mean. And hard to date. I'm hard to be a human around. I have no human skills. Like, very little. What do you do right now? Oh, because there's a microphone in front of my face. I'm the most amazing human ever. Look at me. <laughs> I'm so personable. Get me out of this microphone room. I got nothing to say. I don't believe that. Not, I don't want to talk about me. Okay. okay. Let's see. How about this here? This is... See if this rings a bell. Oh, my gosh. How did you find that? <gasps> what is this? Here? That's a gospel band I was in, like, oh, my gosh, a long time ago. Look how different I sound. Lord, send me. Yeah, I grew up Lord, in the church. And that's my friend Rick Kittleman that's about to sing. I will say that band, um, fierce singers in that band. 
Truth? Mm-hmm. You know Truth? Yeah, I know it because I know you. But did you know it outside of knowing me? No. No, yeah. No. They, I don't think they're around anymore. Oh, they stayed after you? Like well, after, after you left, they stayed being a group. They're they were they're a band. They're like a like a a church ensemble. Like think Tower of Power with horns okay. and yeah. And they travel around. And I mean, I went to like all over the world. Really, with them. Mm-hmm. So great when, learning experience. When you grew up, would you sing in church? Like, as, I want to get up and just sing. You raise your hand and go up and sing. No, I had horrible stage fright. Really? Like I would stay up all night long. My dad would. My dad was a businessman, and he would. He would lead um, like praise and worship on Sunday, do the hymns on Sunday morning because he loved music. And so he would make us get up there and sing with him. And I would literally stay up all night long. But I secretly, I, I really wanted to do it. But I was just so afraid. Who's and now, us? When you say... He, my sister and I. She sing? Mm-hmm. Does she still sing? No, no. Was she a good singer? Yeah. And my dad has a beautiful voice. Mom didn't sing and my brother didn't sing, but... So we grew up singing in the church, and but we, we grew up, the choices were gospel music or country music, and that's what we listened to, until like my sister started driving us to school, and then we started listening to, like then it was The, the Loop in Chicago. So she um, was older sister. Older sister, okay. yep, and um, we would listen to like James Taylor and you know other stuff like the Fleetwood Mac and whatever, whatever was on the radio, and, and so that's how... I, that's kind of my musical roots. So I ended up being in this gospel band for a while. So and, how do they come to you to be in a gospel band? And does it pay? Mm. Like, does it, the gospel band pay? Not really. I mean, they they pay enough to like, it's a ministry. So, you know, they're doing good out there. So they're, they're not paying very much, no. Like my preacher would get paid, but, you know, he wasn't banking. No. He, he made a living. Right. If you were to stay in truth and sing the whole time. Did you have a nice house? No. No. I mean, no. Uh-uh. Michael Debbie Smith has a nice house? Yeah, but that's different. Joel Osteen has a really nice, like 40 houses. Yeah, that's because they own what they're doing. You know, if you're if you're a hired gun to be in this band, you're not going to make a lot of money. But I found, for, mostly for me, like the reason why I wanted to get out of gospel music was just because... I wanted to just be who I am all the time and not feel like I'm duplistic in my living. You Explain. know, like like marrying commerce and art and ministry. It, it does feel I weird. think that's a, it feels very weird and I always felt very conflicted about it. You know, like what you just experienced this weekend of going and going to Haiti and think about if you're charging and you know, it just gets to be like I don't know. It just felt felt weird to me. There's I'm not I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying for me in in light of my faith and I I just felt like I needed to move on. Not moving on in my faith, but moving on in the business and career. I have trouble with that in a, in a way. And I, so my manager, Corin Capshaw. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was talking to him and I said, "Hey, I have trouble sometimes because I I like to do things for people." But also have a career, and I mm. want to have a great career, and I want to be able to have and work hard and earn my money. And I was like, I told him, I said, I'm struggling with this sometimes because maybe I should do more of this good stuff and take away some of this career. And he said to me, 
the bigger you get, the more you can do. Yeah. If you love your career and you love helping, then the bigger you get, the more successful you are, the bigger your pipeline is to helping everything you want by you talking about it, by you doing it, by you giving money, by you. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like with Pimp and Joy, if you didn't have this huge platform, you wouldn't be affecting so many people. It's because of the platform that you get. I struggle with it though too, like you did. Yeah, but you're not. You're not like I'm saying. Not doing it. You're not saying that it's your only thing right. you're doing. You know, it would be different if you're saying buy Pimp and Joy T-shirts and come down to the altar. You know, I mean, you know what I mean. It's like you're 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 a professional. You're oh. doing your job, and I, then you're. I look at some of these preachers. And they're making millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, I. They're right. I, I watched Bono. I went to see you two the other night. Were you, you there? No, but all my friends were, and I'm so I was so jealous watching everybody. You have to go, and that's another way where I think. Didn't you post it was like church or something? Well, I just posted that it was like it was just unforgettable. I think Miranda posted that it was. I don't follow Miranda. Maybe you don't. No, maybe I saw your post and Nicole Gallen. Um, do you know Nicole? Mm-hmm. She was there too, and both of you guys were posting like these. Epic greatest show ever, and I was like, "Oh man!" It, oh man, you feel like Bono's a preacher. Yeah, but in a in a good way, like it, not in a. Somebody asked me if it was super political, and it wasn't. It was it was more of what we're talking about. It was like he was there to uplift people and to motivate them and to inspire them, and then to rock the house. It wasn't like I didn't take it. You know, there was a little bit that that got a little. I guess you could take it as political, but I didn't see it as that. I, I took it as he's raising awareness of what we should be focused on right now, and that's people and poverty and. Humanity. Are they really good too? They oh, just- okay. Well, before the sun goes down, you know, you kind of think about production, and I know because of your band, you think about production and what you're going to do, and and so the sun, you know, it was broad daylight when they came out there. Well, they just handled it like you would as a festival act like you're you're out in the broad daylight you just gotta like rock it out you're not trying to do anything you're just like playing your songs and being amazing like they are and then as soon as the sun started to go down then you started to see like the first elements of production and then it was the greatest i mean do you know have you seen the show abstract on netflix no so the lighting director as that does um beyonce and does the U2 tour like forever and ever she designed this tour and it will just blow your mind but you have to watch the show she's on the first episode of Abstract and it's so inspiring what's the show though what's Abstract it's like all creative things like one one's an architect one's about a graphic designer one is about her um, so it's like taking the light source and how she's gonna light Beyonce and she's done Broadway musicals and it's just fascinating it's like the the creme de la creme of people in their art forms. That's what the whole series is about. I'm a nerd too, so yeah, I'm a big nerd. You're talking to me like, I, I, yeah, I'm a huge nerd. I know your podcast people are probably like boring. Stop talking about that. That's the opposite. My podcast people are nerds too. They are. Oh okay, yeah, good. we have a great little nerdy good. audience here. So okay, uh, you leave truth. Or were you really like superbly talented in that band? No. Where you felt like you'd outgrown them as uh, a, a, as an artist as a singer did you as a performer did you feel like man i think i'm a little bigger than this in the end i thought 
um, it's time for me. I, like I gotta go. I gotta move. I gotta move on. And we were singing so many shows, and it starts to just like really destroy your voice when you're singing, you know, 250 shows a year. Um, so you stayed on the road. I stayed on the road for three years and did a lot of shows, like crazy, crazy, crazy. And we would sing like three hours a night. So it was a lot of strenuous. I mean, gospel singers singing from their toes, you know, and um, harmony band, like super tight harmonies, horn section, the whole deal. But yeah, I, I mean, at the end, I felt like it's time for me to go. So where'd you go? What'd you do? Let's see. I made a, an indie record, a gospel record, with a girl named Lee Capolino, who is still one of my. <laughs> you guy, you do your research. And I made that record with Chris Harris, um, host of The Bachelor. No, not that. Oh, different Chris Harris. Harrison. Uh. <laughs> what if it was Chris Harrison? So this this duo is called. It's very creative, Karen Lee. Because you were named Karen, and her name was Lee. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Catalog, the cover looked like a like a J.C. catalog cover. And so this was gospel. Yeah, ish. Yeah, ish, but more in the vein that I felt comfortable with. You know, I literally like, don't by recognize. You mean charging money? Is that what you mean? Is that <laughs> like I'm trying to? No, like because we were, you know, it was more of our voice. Truth was more of um, the guy that was in charge. His voice. We were just hired people, sure. you know. But um, I have not heard this. I, I swear to you, I have not heard this in like 15 years. Is that you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's me. This love, this love has. I forgot about that. So that's what I did afterwards. And then Lee and I um, did the same thing. We were just like one day. I mean, we were so broke and... Um, we were both married. I was not married to Jimmy then. Um, we were married. I was married to someone else, Mark Childers. How Sup- old were you? Super then? great guy. Who is Carrie Underwood's band director now? Musically, I just yeah. met him at Mark. the Preds game. Yeah. Mark, that's the same. You're married to him. He's like best friends with Carrie and Mike, and then his wife Ivy Childers. I know them. I was married to Mark. That's wow! What a small small world. town. Wow, small world. So okay, you, how old are you though when you guys are in this duo? Oh gosh, in my twenties. So, um, I moved to Nashville in '94. Yeah. So. And this is in Nashville. You did this in Nashville. This we duo. did this in Nashville. Chris Harris, who's an amazing musician, he produced that record. And. Um, so, uh, <laughs> another one of the greatest hits. Called "Save It for a Rainy Day." You're kind of you're kind of torturing me right now, just because. Not that I don't have the fondest memories of this, but part of, it's part it of is life. part of growing up. It's part of the story, too. It is part of the story. Without the truth and without Karen Lee, without you wouldn't truth. have Little Big Town. That's true. Like, you wouldn't. Well, Kimberly and I were friends before this. Okay, cool, but you didn't get together. And no, get, that's true. Like, without all of this, none of this No, you're, you're right. Part of the story. Part of the story. So you guys decide, done? This is your life. Um, yeah, we... We still talk all the time. She just came to the last Ryman show and brought her whole family in. Um, she like, dang, I was with Karen from Little Big Town. No, because she's in a group called Point of Grace. Oh, I do know Point of yeah, Grace. Yeah, yeah. So, so she stayed. She went on to do like um, 
we both were singing demos for people and singing and like trying to make a living. I used to sing at Amway conventions and sing like cover tunes and stuff. And I would get paid to put a band together. And she and I did that for a long time. And that's how we paid our bills. So after Karen Lee, maybe a little bit during Karen Lee. Not a terrible name, by the way. Like, no, it's a horrible what name. What a terrible name. Like, what a terrible name. And I think that I, I want to blame that on the label at the time, but I have to take responsibility that I was standing there. And how come your name got to go first? I have no idea. Because I would think in a two-man, we'd be like a coin flip. Lee Karen? It doesn't matter. It's always... Because anything sounds normal once you say it. Like the first time I heard Florida Georgia Line, I was like, that's the dumbest name I've ever heard. Now it's just normal. Right. Yeah. Chumba Wumba? I was like, I mean, right. one of the greatest bands in the history of music. Now it's just normal. Are they? No. God, no. no they have one song. <laughs> but it's just a funny name. I was like, wow, I missed the Chumba Wumba thing. <laughs> now they have one song. Okay. Little Big Town Week on the Bobbycast. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct-to-consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food. So the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, to take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So 
Join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me, in this fight. And just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's Little Big Town Week on the Bobbycast. So you and Lee, Lee. Uh, you're a duo. Yep. And you're no longer a duo. No, we just, we both looked at each other like, are you having fun? She's like, not really. I'm like, I'm not either. <laughs> and so we just decided that we would let it go. So then what do you do? So then I'm singing demos like crazy. Do you sing any hits for for people that you remember? Like you sang a demo for... I sang... She Only Smokes When She Drinks. I think I sang a female version of that. I want to say it was that demo. I used to sing like all the time demos and sessions and just whatever I could do. Did you feel like you were better than a lot of the people around you? Like, really? Like, in your heart, did you were like, man, how come I just am not? I, I, I got a, a ticket one day, and I, I had, like, teared up on the road after, it was like after a session, or I think we had lost a deal, or maybe we were close to getting a deal, I can't remember, but I just remember thinking, God, this is never going to happen. And I was kind of by myself in the car, like, really... I'm not a super emotional person, but I was emotional and, and I got a ticket. (laughs) I guess I was feeding while I was crying. And so I had to dry it up on the cop. I'm too prideful. Like, Oh, you didn't, you you supposed to leave it for the cop. Supposed to turn it up a notch. I know I should have, but I I didn't. So I got a ticket and then, then I was even more sad, like loser. But weren't you, (laughs) were you frustrated though? Because you, did you feel like I'm, I'm really good yet. Nobody's taking notice of me. Or I haven't succeeded like I'm watching my peers around me do. Yeah. I mean, I really felt that way when when the band got together and the four of us, we got a record deal fast and we got multiple offers and we signed and we thought this is going to be amazing. And we sang on a, like an Oscar de la Hoya fight on HBO. And I mean, they, you know, all of a sudden we were in limousines and we were thinking this is this is it. Like, this is going to happen. And our first show was at the Opry. So we had never sung in public until the Grand Old Opry. Wow. Yeah. So we were just thinking that was going to be it. And then it wasn't. So you and Kimberly knew each other first. Mm-hmm. But you didn't sing together. We sang together in college. And, like, we were in this. But like um, buddies. Yeah, but we were buddies. Like, yeah. we hit it off at choir camp. But then you moved. You both were at Nat in Nashville. She was in Knoxville. I was in Nashville, and and she was commuting. She was singing. She did an independent record, um, and was, she was singing like little honky tonks from here to Knoxville, and traveling back and forth. And then she moved, and so as soon as she moved, we started hanging out, and we were just brainstorming. One day, I was I was like gonna do a country solo thing. That was gonna be, and so was she. And then we started brainstorming, like, maybe we should do something together. But the Dixie Chicks were, like, monstrous. They were selling millions of records. And we were like, why would we do a girls group? Because nobody's going to do it better than them. I mean, there's no purpose in doing that. But then we started thinking, well, nobody's ever done, like, a Mamas and the Papas or a Fleetwood Mac in country music. Not with, not where you could, you know, like, really have the harmonies be the lead singer. So we took off trying to do it. Was it ever a thought to call the group? Karen Kimberly because I love the idea of taking two names and slamming them together <laughs> not ever one time not ever one time so it's you two and you're like okay we're gonna do something 
Um, where does Jimmy come in? We thought it was going to be a trio. And at the time, I was married to Mark, and he was on the road with Shelly Wright. He was in a band with okay, Shelly and then Jay DeMarcus from Rascal Not Flats twice. and Joe Don Rooney, Rascal Flats. They were all in a band together. So Kimberly and I used to go down and see Rascal Flats play at the Fiddle and Steel Bar downtown. And Gary used to show up. And sing, and we were like, "Holy cow! Oh my gosh!" You know, but they weren't a band yet. There was just always different configurations of them up there, and we were looking for. Wait, walk me through this. So Gary would show up and sing with Jay and Joe Don playing in a different band. Yeah, they would sing at the Fiddle and Steel, uh, like when they weren't out with Shelley Wright, and there was some other. So musicians. Rascal Flats would show up, but they weren't but Rascal they, Flats. They weren't Rascal Flats, but they would come together and mm-hmm. play. But then they all go back there on their own ways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think Gary might have been singing backup for Michael English at the time. And then Billy Currington would show up and he would just hop up and sing. So we would we would be all kind of hanging out together and and then I think I think it was Jodon first or Gary first. One of them sang with us first. And then that didn't work out. So you're saying Little Big Town <laughs> at one point was you, Kimberly, and one of the flats. I wish we had one of them in here, one of the flats. Like, if Jay were in here, then we could really tell the story together really well. We should do that sometime. But, yeah, they they were not a band yet. We were not a band. And Jay is still mad that I we never asked him to be in Little Big Town. Yeah. If it were Joe Don, though, it would probably be the greatest looking band of all time. <laughs> Joe Don. Um, yeah, Joe Don played with us for a little while, and then... Then Jay, Gary, and Jodon decided they should be a band. That's crazy. And so then we got the phone call of like, we're going to be a band. We love y'all, but sorry. And we were like, Dad, gummit, we've been working on this forever. In your mind, what was the perfect scenario at that point well, in your life? Well, at that point, we thought, it, then Jimmy, Jimmy was a part of it. Who did you think the band was going to be at that point? I thought it was going to be Jimmy, Kimberly, and me. And Joe Don. Yeah. I kind of thought Gary was just chasing his... He was he was amazing, but I could tell he wanted to do something with Jay. So, and then... <laughs> then we were like, well, dadgummit, this just isn't meant to be. Like, not with not with them. And then they, they put out a song, and it, like, just took off. I mean, literally, they left us in the dust. Like That had to be weird, right? That was, well, it, I mean, we were happy for them, but it was, no, it no, was weird. No, no, not saying you weren't happy, but you're on the same level one day, and 90 days later, they're on freaking TV. They have a number one show. They're like on every late night show. They're selling millions of records and, and opening up for Vince Gill and all these people, and we're still, we're still back at the house. Like, like part of the band that you that was in your band is now... Selling a million records. Yeah. That's crazy. And weird, but it also shows you how fast things can happen. Yeah. Like I talked to so many writers and, and performers and they're like, you know what? It was never happening. And it was, there it went. I never thought it was going to happen. And the next thing you know, I look back and it's like, that was the moment. I know. And, and for, for them, that was the moment. That's why you can't quit. Because like we didn't, we didn't have the easiest of journeys, but um, it was so like meant to be clearly they were supposed to be the rascal flats and clearly we were supposed to be in the band together if you call them the rascal flats they'll get pissed oh did i say that yeah 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 i, did I, say I learned that. the hard way i toured they, with them forever. man they do not like that <laughs> well did i say that yeah 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 the, you did, i'm it sorry sticks out to me because they, they scolded me hard 
They're like Bobby Rascal Flats. We are not called the Rascal Flats. Do I call you the Bobby Bones? This is not even near a microphone. I was like, <laughs> I guess that is weird. I was if like, somebody Jay, said the you, little you big do, town. You do not call me the Bobby Bones because we are not the Rascal Flats. I'm sorry, y'all. I, I mean. Yeah. So Rascal Flats goes to the other thing. It's now it's you and Kimberly again. Well, it's me, Kimberly, and Jimmy. And you guys have now decided we're going to try to make it as a trio. Well, somebody challenged us like to to make it four really early on in the days. A guy named Brian Tankersley, who was an engineer, he was like, "Man, if you guys added a fourth person, it would it would give you the flexibility to like one person take the lead and keep the three part like country triad going on and." so much more versatility and we're like you're right that that would be cool but that finding that fourth person was really really hard i mean that's part of the story of the rascal flat deal way back years ago so we met philip after all that happened we met philip through a songwriter in nashville and kimberly and i met him at starbucks in franklin and we exchanged music like cds and like he had his own music. Mm-hmm. Was he a lead singer of whatever his project was? Yes, and he was about to sign. He wanted to do like a Johnny Lang, like blue, like eyes. blues guitar, yeah. like um, you know, singer songwriter mm-hmm. deal. And he was about to sign his life away to kind of not a great publishing deal, uh, actually a bad publishing deal. And so, anyhow, he we talked him out of that. And it's a big talk. talk and we got out of a, we got in the car, Kimberly and I. We were like, well. He's way too, too handsome and and well spoken to be good. So we were dreading putting his CD in the car, and then oh, there you was, hadn't heard him. No, we hadn't heard him yet. Just somebody. Just had, a recommendation. You somebody had been bragging on him that he was an amazing singer. So that was like going to be the exchange of music. And we got in the car, and we were like, "Oh my gosh, he's got this voice!" And we had always said if we could have a singer that sounded like he smoked all day, that that would really change the texture of our voices together and that's what Philip sounds like. Was there somebody in between Jimmy and Philip or seven somebodies where you kept trying mm-hmm. and they didn't it didn't work? No, and we never sang as a band until we were Philip and Jimmy and Kimberly and I. The night at the Opry, I think we sang in CAA's conference room with Joe Don once. As Joe Don is the other member. Uh-huh. Jimmy Joe Don, I I got to ask Joe Don that, but I think it was one afternoon on like a conference room deal. Of playing our agent songs, That's I have so, video of some. So of, I don't think I have video of of any of the Jodon Gary stuff, but we have video like way back. I have video of like some CAA meetings and where we were trying to figure out if we could afford to open up for Billy Gilman. And what people don't understand, you say afford to open up. It costs money. It's not like I'll just use my girlfriend as an example because she won't care if I use her. She's opening for Brad Paisley right now, and Brad says I'll give you one dollar per show. You have to figure out how to get your travel there, mm-hmm. how to eat, how to pay for your band. And sometimes it costs a dollar and five cents. Right. So it's can you last for – she's doing like 60 days with Brad. And Brad's very generous to, to oh, her. Yeah. And, he's and so his generous. people are so – Kendall, I mean, it's, they're very – she got lucky with Brad. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of artists struggle and they lose money. And you forever. Can, you, forever. And then when you're splitting it four ways – Oh, I, I'm going to get to that in a minute. I don't even know how. I mean, then you're like, really? Like, are you splitting it four ways? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I used to rent the van. It was my job. I would advance the shows. And you were I, the tour manager? I was like the tour manager. Sometimes I would advance under a different name. What was your, um, what was your fake name? Do you remember? I can't remember. Was it something crazy like Karen Lee? Because that'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Why didn't I think of that? I needed you around. Yeah, so, but we would we would have to come up with, okay, eighty nine ninety nine on a 
sprinter van, not a sprinter van, on a white van, you know. Not even a sprinter. Sprinter is a, a mini bus with little beds, but it feels like you're laying in the back of a truck when you hit bumps, laying yeah, in the little yeah. beds. Yeah, yeah. This would just be like a regular 15-passenger van. Yeah. And then we would figure out meals in Starbucks and and literally I have video of like me beating little big town bracelets in the front of the van because we needed to sell we needed to sell like 10 bracelets and 15 t-shirts and to have gas to make it back home do you look back at that time though and go man that was fun mm-hmm. like man that when looking back at the struggle the real struggle because i i do that now i look back when i was at the time it was more the paycheck to paycheck like i was mm-hmm. below and I would go have to do extra things to make, but that was the most fun because I had everything in front of me. Yeah, yeah. We used to God, we would we would drive for hours and hours and hours, and just the four of us, and we were so tight, and we would just like dream, just sit out and dream while we were driving of things that we could do and what we would do if we ever had a little bit of success and a little bit of money, and it. That's why now it's so amazing. It really is because it was a long, long, long time. Who was the person that said Little Big Town? That name? Yeah, Little Big. Um, it was it was a publishing company. Little Big Town Publishing. Mm-hmm. And did they go away before you uh-huh. took the name? Yep. And so you thought this cool? Yeah. Keep it. Well, we we were messing with town names because of. Like Kimberly and Jimmy and Philip are like from tiny, tiny, tiny towns, and I was a little bit of the city girl. And we were trying to find names that reflected the music. And somebody turned over a CD and it said "Little Big Town Publishing," and we were like, "Maybe that's the name." You know, again, you become kind of names. You know what I mean? Like you said about Florida Georgia Line, or it was not really weird the at Rascal first. Flats. Rascal Flat. But now Little Big Town's just a name. Yeah. It's just a name of the group that you hear all the time. It's not even weird. But I would think that the first time Little Big Town, that was weird to hear. Yeah. yeah. It's Hindsight, like, it is. Think about the first time. This is a very selfish thing for me to tell you to think about. Think about the first time, and you won't remember it, but have you ever heard my stupid name, Bobby Bones? Like, who? Is that a pirate? Is that a porn star? Like, who? So is Bobby Bones your real name? No. No? No, my real name's Bobby Estel. And so I was given that name when I was like 17. Hey, Mike, got to get her a copy of my book on the way out. Wow. I'll, tell, I'll sign it for her when she leaves. Um, yeah, no, no. Was, I'm sorry. It, I'm just kidding. I, was, I, know, I, was, I know it wasn't. It's, but a, it's I, only I, on Wikipedia. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's my real name. And I don't even hide it. But it's, um, it was forced on me. I was 17. And so it was like, you can be Bobby Bones or Bobby Z. I was a kid. I don't know. I was like, well, Bones at least sounds like an actual person. And so everywhere I, was, I went, I was connected to somewhere else because I went from Hot Springs, Arkansas to Little Rock, shared some listening audience, Little Rock to Austin, Texas. And I was already doing nights. And then Austin, I was started doing a national night show. And then in the morning, everything was connected. I could never leave the stupid name. Everywhere I went, I had the stupid name. It's not stupid, though. Now it's not because it's normal. Because it's normal. Right. And it's because it, it is something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it becomes... My feelings are a little hurt. You didn't know my real name. Like a little bit. My feelings are a little hurt. I'm just going to be honest and be selfish for a second. My feelings are a little hurt. You know my real name. That's okay. I didn't want to hurt your feelings and no, you be should, like. you should though. We should. That, that's honesty when you can openly ask and hurt feelings. When you can put other people at the risk, see, that means you're being open and honest. I'm sorry. Why would you be sorry? You didn't know. Uh, let me talk about Wagwalker for a second. So let me talk about Wagwalker for a second. It is an on-demand app for getting a dog walker. It's like a Uber for your dog. I use it all the time. 
just search WAG walking in the app store. You can search WAG. I love it because, again, let's say I'm at work and it's like 1 p.m. and my dog's got to go out. I go boop, find somebody close, and they'll come to the house. They're thoroughly vetted. So, I mean, they know these people. Quality, experience. You can GPS track your dog's walk. You have notifications if your dog uses the bathroom, pees, poops. Your app will actually bark at you. There's a photo report card summary after each walk. You know that your dog is home and safe and details and how many times you use the bathroom. You don't have to be home. That's when I use it. That's the only time I use it, actually, is when I'm not home. WAG sends you a free lockbox, or you can leave an alternate home access instruction. And so you can say, hey, get in this way. You know, type this code in. Oh, my dog just jumped up here on me right now. Ugh. Thank you, Dusty. And the dog walker can uh, will come in. Anyway, it's a must-have. I think it's a must-have app for every dog owner. Just search WAG walking in the app store. Get your first WAG walk for free by texting the word BONES to 25324. BONES, B-O-N-E-S, to 25324. WAG will send you a link. Download the app. Get your first free WAG. All right, so I have some stuff for you here. WAG walker. Mm. You have a dog? I do. Honey. Yeah. Um, old dog? Brand new. Wow. Nine months old. Puppy? A puppy. Are you training the puppy? No. Who's we, training the puppy? We have a trainer. Yeah. Um, out at Cedar Valley Canine. Really good. Yeah. Why do you have a trainer for yours? I uh, Yours no. is... My dog is now 14. Yeah. And when I had my dog, when he was young, I could not afford a trainer. Um, so it's I, expensive. I, oh yeah, yeah. Animals are expensive. My dog has a better life than I do, probably. <laughs> like he just chills. Where is your pup? Downstairs. He has yeah. His own room. Just chilling like, out. Like being a single guy, and you know, nice house. We got some room. Got some backyard. He has his own room. It's not like I got kids or anything yet. So he just chills. Yeah. You'll, you'll just be a great dad. I don't know. I don't know if I... I don't know. I don't know. I wanna, <laughs> One more thing you don't know about. I, I don't know anything. I want to play some stuff. I want to okay. go... I, stop talking about me. I don't want to talk about me. You're a little big town. You're in a van. You're driving all around the country. You're opening for who? When we're in a van? Yeah. Uh, probably the most Phil Vassar. And then Keith took us out on like a weekend... A couple of weekends of shows. Was it Keith? Because I've, I've had a bunch of talks with Keith. Was it Keith... While he was still Crazy Keith? Or was it Keith after he kind of fixed himself? Uh, the first ones were Crazy Keith. Yeah. Um, and then not Crazy. Yeah. yeah. But he, I, let me tell you, even Crazy Keith was still like this amazing, good. I, I didn't know Crazy Keith. Sold, like just amazing person. And so, yeah, just a different part of his journey. But both we we to, we've toured with Keith more than we've toured with anybody and Keith was the first guy that ever gave us a chance on a big stage like an arena tour it was him little big town week on the bobby cast this festival and concert season will be all about the boots and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring You're talking about men's boots women's boots um, apparel hats bags and more all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah, that's what the whole store basically is: fresh leather, yep. friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. 
Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means the families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food. So the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's Little Big Town Week on the Bobbycast. Did you guys consider yourself a band or a vocal group? Like, were you like Boys to Men or were you like Hanson? <laughs> like, if you had to pick one, like, what did you consider yourselves? Because a lot of times we just see maybe three of you and then one has a guitar or maybe two guitars. Well, but you haven't, I know I'm going to get my feelings hurt. I've seen your shows, and you have been you around have. you. Of course, you have been okay. around you, but I'm saying. Yeah, but, but you haven't seen us play like just the four of us. Let me think for a second. Hold on a minute. Have I ever seen the four? So like, play? For, to be fair, I don't get to. I'm on the road every weekend. I know working. My feelings really aren't hurt. Good because you can Wikipedia my name real easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, back to my question. Do you consider yourself more like boys to men or Hanson? But wait, can we go back to the name thing really quick? We can do whatever you want. You're, you're in control here. No, um, like John Mellencamp. Doesn't like to ever re- be referred to as John, John Cougar, Cougar Mellencamp. Right. Yeah, so I didn't know if if your name. You didn't know my name. That's okay. You I just, didn't know your name, but I didn't know if I it don't was a bad thing. To. No, of course, there's no. I like I told you before we went on the air. Jake Owen and I got into a screaming match on this. There's no rules here. Okay, just talk about say whatever you want. Ask whatever you want. I don't care. Okay, so back to Hanson or Boys to Men. Well, are you more like Hanson or Boys to Men? Well, Boys to Men, I think. Okay, but I think more like 
Hillbilly Mamas and the Papas or Fleetwood Mac. Fair, but people maybe that don't know music or are below 35 won't get that reference. True. But they'll get Boys and Men. Oh, yeah. Water Runs Dry, I'll Make Love to You, On Bended Knee, the two album, the blue album. Are you kidding me? You gotta be. Come on. No, I love them. 90s? I just saw them sing last year with Dan and Shay. It was awesome. Yeah, but boy. Yeah, yeah. I can check about 70s versus 90s. Yeah. That's why. So, okay, so, okay, you're boys to men. You're country boys to men. <laughs> and here you are. You're up there. And let me play a song for you here. Tell me about this song right here. So don't waste my time. <laughs> this sounds like a church song. Yeah. Yeah. it sounds like the guys' parts and the girls' parts are split up on purpose where you're not allowed to dance with each other. It's like you're singing across from each other at church. That's what I picture in my head. You know what that that is? That's an overthought record. Um, and that is us not having our voice. Like, not fully knowing who we are. But there's elements of us way, way in there, you know? What do you, what do you, what do you hear when you say There's some good stories about this. Record? Song? Time? Um, we didn't want that to be the single. Common for a first single. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't listen to us. Did you begrudgingly go out and perform it? You're like, oh. No, because we no, but but and and I like I like the song. We like the song fine. It's just that we it shouldn't have been a first single and. And the record, um, and we blame ourselves for this, but we, it's kind of like a vanilla out version of us, you know, like very too much thinking. You can get in the studio and just like think too much and you can have people around you that think too much. And sometimes that doesn't make for the best music, but it, it also is part of the journey. It's like, sometimes you just don't come out of the gate getting it right and it's not anybody's fault like the people that we made those records with were obviously trying hard you know they wanted us to break and they weren't trying to do a bad job no they weren't trying to put out a bad no not at all i wondered if lee of my favorite group karen lee by the way i wonder if she's like man i could have been kimberly in little big town no because i think she thinks too much that that she had a path and we had a path and it was all what it was supposed to be. I bet she be. still does, though. I would. <laughs> I would. Okay, so Don't Waste My Time doesn't work. Right. Do you get dropped after that? Um, I think we had... Do we have one more? I think we had one more single, then we got dropped. And so when you're dropped, how does that work? What Do you get a call? Does oh, we were on the 5 o'clock news. You know, Demetria Kalademos and everybody. I think that's channel. I can't remember what channel that is. Um, we were part of a mass exodus of artists at Sony. And I think there were like 15 artists that got dropped, and we were one of them. But for some reason, we got mentioned on the news, and that we had owed like millions of dollars in recording debt. But and isn't that like recoup that you don't really have to pay unless you make well, it back? Well, right, yeah. And But I, it was weird that we, we were on the news, and it kind of really, it just sucked, because we were thinking, God, now we're damaged goods. We're two label deals in. You know, we were out of the Mercury deal. Now we got dropped on Sony. We had Boondocks and Bring It On Home, and Sony still dropped us. 
So that means they really didn't want us. When you say <laughs> when you say you had Boondocks, like it was already out, or you had it sitting there ready to go? We had it ready to go. Okay, so it hadn't been, it wasn't out yet. Mm-hmm. No. I remember listening to this on the radio. I love the end of this song. Thanks. Love I do too. This was the first time we we got the sound right and like got in the studio and we didn't have anybody looking over our shoulder and we made the music we wanted to make and we were broke and like three broken relationships and a husband that passed away and it was a difficult time for the band but we found our solace in making music and you know when you're desperate then you really get down to it could you feel like when you were recording this or something was different yeah like really oh yeah because it's hard to feel different when things just haven't gone right for a long time. You know where we felt different? When we were in Afghanistan, we had this song, and we could tell the soldiers, like, they just loved this song about home. And they didn't know us. We didn't have a hit. And they talked about this song all the time. Who it, Was it written at the end for it to be the breakdown? You know, the Yugalana? Uh-huh, yeah. But that, that was in... I always wonder, how do you guys decide who... We were sitting around just like this, and we were at Wayne's studio, and he was like, you know, he goes, let's... It feels like it needs, like, a cool vamp on the end, but, like, something that Lyle Lovett would love. You know, like, something cool, like, that feels familiar, and yet it's new. And so he started singing that, and then we started just kind of vamping around parts and he was like that's it that's it and then we one by one quickly went in and just started singing those like so the whole ad libby things you know five got points in church on sunday so that was just the thing that, that happened mm-hmm. see. wayne started it and then he yeah i think he came up with that you know what i, I, I like it first of all i i like all those voices and it, to me it sounds a bit like um um, I want to hear some funky yeah, Dixie yeah. Leopard. The round of that, yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I loved that. You know, I love so Boondock. So you had Boondock, and you didn't, it didn't go out. Like you had it, you were still holding on to it. We were holding on to it, and then we 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 took Boondocks and bring it on home with us. When you're yeah, which was this was the biggest single we had ever had right here. Not yet in right. the story. I love this song. Why do you love this song? I don't know. It's, I love those long harmonies, and I think it reminds me of that time in our lives. Just sentimental. Bring it on home to me. So you take these with you to the New Deal? To a No Deal. I mean, we had No Deal, and and so that's when we we went out to Wayne's studio and we just made just a record and we had probably eight songs that ended up being on the road to hear record and we our lawyer pitched them around town to people without telling people who it was and because we were kind of damaged goods and just to get feedback and again we got rejected several times and then mike kraske who is our old um kind of one of the higher ups at sony who had gotten blown out when we got blown out he felt like it was unfinished business and he just really always believed in us so he and clint black were starting a label an indie label the clint black mm-hmm. not just a guy named clint black. yes the clint, clint black. black yeah and and so we took this record over there to them and and then it took off like and gotta, it was so amazing i gotta wonder before it took off though so you, there are four of you and it hasn't worked how close did you guys get to going, okay, this just isn't going to work. We're going to have to go our own ways. 
We never did. You really never did? No. I remember one truck stop on the way to Boston where Kimberly said, what are we doing? Because we were so tired and so broke. But it was just like a laughing, like, what are we doing? We're crazy. But I just think we're just so stubborn, you know, like just not going to quit. And so we just kept going. And then this happened. So what was it? Uh, what hit first for you where you were like, okay, this thing's got some real legs? Okay, the day we were, I think we were in, we were in a North Carolina st- studio, like parking lot with our radio guy in the car, Jeff Davis. I think it was Jeff Davis, yeah. And we were sitting there, we got a call from our then manager, and we had been crucified in the press, like for like everything from the way the record looked, you know, that first record that you were playing from the videos to... Just like, I mean... What was wrong with you? What were they saying was wrong with you? They were just saying, like, put together band, Mm. overproduced, slick, um, you know, boy band with girls in it. You know, just any kind of criticism. I mean, we were written up in the Tennessean, like, worst review ever. It was horrible. Like, all these things went on. So, one day, after we'd been out on radio tour, we got a call, and and they said, hey, um, Bob Orman, and I don't know if you're... Listeners know who he is, but he's like country music critic forever and ever and ever. Do you know him, Mm-mm. Robert Orman? And he wrote a, a critique of the record, and he said, "This is a revelation. I take back any negative thing I've ever said about this band." And that was like, I mean, I think Kimberly started crying. Like, it is turning around. Like, this is the moment it's turning around. So that, and it really was. He really helped change people's perspective that we had made the record finally that we needed to make and people should pay attention and then Keith heard the record and then that's when he took us out so what song was the radio song at that point boondocks so you now I've put it out mm-hmm. so you have boondocks how long did this go on the chart because it wasn't a number one eight. was it so it went to eight yeah and I used to mail bootleg copies of this when we had it at Sony and we weren't supposed to really be doing anything with it I I used to mail it to radio program directors and just that were friends of ours and say what do you think just to get feedback you know like Jenny Rogers in Boston I mailed it to her and a couple other guys just to say like Greg Swedberg I think um, was he in Minneapolis then? uh huh yeah so just people that seemed to like even the first record that saw the potential there and you know, those people have been friends of ours ever since. Okay. So I'm sure I wasn't supposed to do that, but I did. History is full of people who weren't supposed to do things, who did things. Yeah. And that's how things happen. That's right. You got to make it. Little Big Town Week on the Bobby Cast. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. 
Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. It's Little Big Town Week on the Bobbycast. Tell me about this one right here. Because this is when I first started being like, hmm, who are these guys on with Crook and Chase? Um, I, I know, I, lo- I love this record. I, are you supposed to say that about your own records? I think if you do it, say it, it's very, it, you, you were very honest. Because you're not supposed to say it. But if you do, it. But if you do... It, it's a really honest thing to say. You know why I love it? I love it because that, again, was like a defining moment for the band. Like Because? Because we were in the studio with Jay Joyce. It was, it was just the first time we had done something, again, that was a new chapter, a new relationship of production. Jay is a lot different than Wayne. They both have, they just have very different ways of producing records. And Jay won't let you think about anything. It's all about instinct and what feels good. And when he started crafting that moment right there, he was so in it. And like, it was almost like watching a conductor. You know, he had some of those crazy parts I could tell in his head. And he was just like, just going for it. And it, it sounds like that. It sounds like, people in there really singing and going for it without overthinking and we never thought that that would be a single much less a number one record we didn't Is even your first number one um pontoon pontoon was your first number yeah. one yeah we didn't even play this for dungan until the very end of playing the record because we were scared to play that for him really we waited until we played everything else and that was like the 12th song we were like and we have this and what was his response he liked it all. I mean, I think, I, I mean, he was so happy about Pontoon because he had heard that song, mm-hmm. the demo, and he was like, you guys need to stop. Everybody was saying, oh, it's a smash, it's a smash, it's a smash. And he was like, hey, it's not a smash yet. Wait, like, hold on until you get in the studio and you make it a smash. And he was right about that. I mean, you can't, you can't start saying that when you don't even, haven't even recorded it. So, but he turned around when he heard it, and he had the biggest grin on his face, and he was like, "Well, you did it, yeah, that's it." Natalie Hemby was in, mm-hmm. sitting there. We were talking about this song, and she was like, "You know, when it, whenever they wrote it, it was back this 
B into the water, you know, and they had to change the bad word. What is it? What what, what do you guys? Back I mean, to, sometimes live I still say it. Oh, you do, but on right. the record, it's not though. It's hitch. Back this hitch into the water. Okay. Yeah, and she said she probably told you a story about the guy that's on the boat with them when they bought a boat. Yes. And she's like, and he's like. <laughs> I hate that I song. I hate that song. <laughs> She's like, oh. Have you ever seen people do that in your show? That maybe like at a festival. I mean, not people that would buy tickets to the show, but I've seen people on a festival like where clearly they were coming to see Blake or somebody that was on, and we were on in front of them, and they'll they'll whisper things like, "Why did she wear that?" or "I hate this song." Have you ever seen people do that? At, for yes, because either when we play festivals and we oddly get put on big festivals in good spots, but the thing is, you either know us or you have no idea. Like at CMA Music Fest, we played the River Stage, right? That's like this the big one's a football field, the one that you guys played, and then they put the BX on the river, and we're not even a BX, but they put us on the river in a perfect spot, 4 p.m. right before everybody goes over. And I remember like a third of the people because they didn't want to leave because somebody good was coming up after us. They were like, what is happening on stage right now? And I can just see it in their faces. So, yes. But they were just confused by us. We're out in jumpsuits. And you had your run DMC jumpsuit. All, yeah, all I of, love that. But you guys are actually good, though. There's a difference. It's like, our thing is stupid. But uh, Pontoon's first number one. Tornado's number one. Um, I have so many things. I don't yeah, but Pontoon was, and, and then Tornado. And then I can't, something that didn't work, I think, was next. <laughs> so, uh, your side of the bed? Your side of the bed. Yeah. I remember watching. I was here. I remember watching the performance, like in the bed, and the person doing like the circles. And that. Mm-hmm. I always loved your song. This is the truth. It seems like I love the songs that don't make it more than I like the ones that do. It, it's weird. I say know. It. Whatever you're about to say, say it. Because some of these, I love. There are songs of your. I, I'm just disgusted when they don't make it. I just am so angry at the industry. I know this came out in a time when not very many ballads were on radio and so I don't know if that's why but we wrote this with Lori McKenna same person you wrote girl, that wrote Girl Crush yeah I love this song thanks I had this this chorus and the melody of the verse in my phone for a while and and then Lori had the the hook yeah I was disappointed when it didn't work it's just such a good song like whatever else whatever's on the radio blah, blah, blah. like songs should win which later ended up happening with Girl Crush frankly yes. like yes you guys kind of kicked that wall down of can ballads work like well you, you really did it was like can a ballad and you don't get much slower than Girl Crush Mm-mm. I got a girl crush hate to admit I mean I yeah, think your you, side of the bed is just as good as Girl Crush yeah I, I know I, well you help this one a lot but this, regardless of who helped, what I'm just I was so disappointed your side of the bed didn't work. Yeah, because I love Girl Crush, obviously, but when your side of the bed didn't work, but th- this song I'll say this about Girl Crush, and I think this story has been told a thousand times, is that I think that kind of kicked the door down for balance. At least in my company, which is the biggest company, and my new boss, which I'm very close to, who brought me here and then I helped bring him here. It was like, look at this. I know. Like, this works. Yeah, and the power of, of that once it started. It sales. I mean, remember the remember how it happened when you played it, and then it went from, what was it? It wasn't even on the chart. It wasn't on the chart, yeah. And then it was like, bam, it was like number four or something. The sto- Number two, I remember. That's I remember two. exactly, because I remember us talking. We were in New York, and Day Drinking was about to hit number one, and this record was about to come out. So Day Drinking was the single. 
And I was like, I'm not listening to the record until it comes out. That's always not a rule. I don't listen to the record comes out. The record came out at midnight. That's right. And there were like four songs that one of the guys who worked at your label, Steve, said, hey, these are some other songs. And I heard Girl Crush and I was like, holy crap. And I was in New York City. I was like, Amy, you have to play this song. I got in so much trouble. I've told you before, they did, did I tell you before? They spent up research money, my company did, to research this song and see if it was hurting my show. Have I told are you, you kidding me? No, no. So this is why they literally spent thousands of dollars because I was playing it all the time, right? Re- researching to see if the controversy was hurting you. So the song it wasn't wow. a it wasn't a radio song. It was to mm-hmm. everybody else. It was a lesbian song. Yeah, right. But I thought the song was so good, and I started playing it, and I would play it, and I would be like, "The song's so good," and I would did it for like a week, right? And so my companies wor- they get worried, and they they hire uh, without my knowledge, and not even a bad way. Uh, one of those rooms where people can sit in it and mm-hmm. and they feedback. Yeah, what, what are those rooms called? My research rooms. Uh, focus rooms. Focus, focus rooms. Well, uh, fo- yeah, like a focus room. And they had people listen to it and see if it was ma- making them angry that I was talking about it. And it ended up being like sixty percent were okay with it, and forty percent weren't, which is still pretty high. Mm-hmm. But you mean high on the negative side? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people think we made up the controversy, but we didn't. I mean, no, there I, were, I know you didn't make up the controversy. I know, but I've had I've had people in the business stop me and go, "Man, that was a good one y'all did." I'm like, "What do you think that we would actually do that?" When you guys came to the studio, I, it, I there these are memories I haven't thought of since. But I'm sitting here, you, you know, you sit with someone, you remember things. You and Kimberly came to the studio, just you two. We were talking about it, and Emily was listening to the show in DC. And Emily Yard writes for the Post. Mm-hmm. She and she messages me. Hey, she's like, "That's a crazy interview. That song." Like, and I was like, "There's a story here." And don't put me at the front of the story. Put somebody else because it'll automatically turn people off because I've been screaming about it forever. And she put like a DJ in Iowa or something first and did me second. And boom, controversy. And it was, I love controversy. I was a love, but I, it was, was that weird for you guys? Did you feel like you were being attacked or was uh, it awesome? Well, we had done a few interviews kind of a, a couple of weeks before trying to like, ward off some of the negativity that of just like maybe moms that didn't think they wanted their children to hear I want to taste her lips in the morning on country radio and they were calling in to complain and so we were getting on there saying you know oh it's a song about jealousy and you know just having to try to like get the stations to play it that we're thinking about dropping it because of the negative calls so then this happens with you and I remember you saying Maybe a couple of weeks before the Kimberly and I session, you said to the four of us in the studio, doesn't it make y'all mad that like you have like such a big selling song on iTunes and you're like at number 40 something on, on the, the chart? Charts? Yeah. Do you remember yeah, saying I that? Yeah, I do remember saying that. That's what then started it too. And then- I was Kim- pissed. Kimberly and I came back. The post thing was written. The Iowa guy wrote his thing. Jimmy saw the Iowa guy- I guess he wrote something on a blog or something about it. He saw that on the bus late one night. And I remember all, us all gathering in the front lounge of the bus and going, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? And all I really cared about was that the song didn't get lost in the shuffle of controversy. I was afraid it was going to go away. And I was like, this is such a special lyric, such a special song please don't let this go away. You needed the shuffle mm-hmm. for the song to get out. Yep. You needed the shuffle for other songs to get out. 
That's the weird thing about it all. You guys just didn't do this for Girl Crush. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, other ballads, the You Should Be Here from Cole Swindell, the, those songs like that would not have been on the radio if you guys wouldn't have put out Girl Crush. Because that song was against everything that radio was supposed to be. I know. By the way, I, I was pulling my hair. I'm frustrated right now talking about it, and this is two years ago. It, it was everything wrong with radio. It was slow. It was female. Well, it probably ballads weren't researching. It well. was long. Yeah, and everything. It was a six eight waltz. Everything I mean, was wrong with it, I except mean, it was perfect. Except for it was perfect, except and it stood out. It was, like it was, you couldn't ignore it, you know. And that's what, if there's anything that I learned through the years of when you're making music, it's like you have to stand out among the pack. Even if you fail, even if you lose, sometimes it's so much better to be like fire than it is to just be ignored. Back to how we first started. I'd rather be on the worst dress list than no list right. at all. That's right. That's right. And I'm okay with getting beat. I get beat up all the time by, yeah. in, by the, the the guard, the Nashville guard. <laughs> oh, kill me. Oh. Let me tell you what other song really irritates me. That, and I know you guys just lost it. was Happy People. I love that song. I was playing in the dance party. I, that was such a good song. I think Happy People is going to have its life somehow can you sell it to a cartoon like a movie like a well film? i know doesn't it feel like it, yeah it's again it's so different people were scared of it it sounds 70s ish mm-hmm. to me it has that kind of bell bottom i hear bell bottoms dancing i hear people at woodstock listen and i think that different always scares people until it's not different anymore i know and i, I was so and, disappointed and you know what when we're in the studio we're always setting out to be different and so when we made that record, we could have cut it a different way, and we specifically chased, chased, chased the very things that you're saying. Like, well, we were listening and referencing to old records and going, the kick should feel like this, and it should feel very, like, trainish, you know, not train the band. Um, but, uh, you know, it didn't. it's not just one of those records that just jumps out and smacks you upside the head as a radio hit, I guess. But I think punch it, radio But sometimes. I think it would have been. I, I do too. I love it. Yeah. Might just keep playing it. Just piss everybody off. I think it should be like in a commercial or I something. I do too. I think it should be in a cartoon or something. It's so happy. And I just like happy songs too. Me too. And I think it's an important important sentiment for right now. How about this one? When someone stops loving you. It's a very good song. I did. Like, so, I know. I knew the song. And when you guys played it at the CMT Awards, mm-hmm. I love the song to begin with because it's a, it's very it's very musical messagey. I love messagey songs. Uh-huh. I love songs that you can hear words. Yeah. And, um, I like it's a little risky. I know. A little risky <laughs> to go and and I know throw a ballady song out with Jimmy. I know. With. But it's, but it's it's the rule of the band. It's like we just we have to go with what we think. I love it. You know, we, I love we, it. we just have to go with our gut, and we have to go with what also we f- see people reacting to. And I don't think you can. That's the research. You cannot ignore people lighting up in an audience, even though people will say, "Well, you can't." Don't ask your mom. You know, of course, but she's going to like everything you like. But when you see people 
moved by a song or they're talking about it or, you know, you're so good with your fans. You can see what they're talking about, what they love, what they light up about when you're doing your stuff. So it's the same thing. We can see it too. So we're just going to roll the dice again I love it. and see if it works. I love risks. I love failing because <laughs> that means at least I gave it a big old swing. I know. Ah, I do. I do. I, I told Luke one. one, Luke Brown one day we were on tour and I was like, you can't remember not having a hit, do you? He didn't remember. I mean, he he does remember, but he, you know, he he's like one of those guys that just and his fans they just adore him, and I do too. We do too. But he, it's been a long time. Some people can just try risky things, and radio's gonna play it all the time. I don't know for some reason we haven't always been that band, but that's okay. Because when we why? we do have them, it's huge, and radio's been so good to us. Because you have females in the band. Like, that's the real reason, regardless if you want to hear it or not. That's Do what you it, think? Absolutely it is. You don't think this industry is, like, a little, like, mm, to females? Of yeah, course of course they do. Of course I do. And you have females that you... And you guys do an amazing job, because... I don't know if you call yourself the lead vocalist, but you're the lead vocalist of the group, in, in everyone's mind, because you sing more of the lead parts. So the main voice that you hear is a female. So, it's like, you think of Lady Annabelle, that's a girl, that's, that's a girl band. There are two guys and a girl, but it's still a girl band. And so that's why that's all it is. This this format's a bunch of haters. Well, I, I, I'm going to say this. A few years ago, I was so discouraged about this subject, and I think there has been a little bit of an improvement. Absolutely. I mean, to see Kelsey, Marin, really bust through and on a Grammy level bust through that we've made progress. It's better than it was a year ago. And in a year, it'll be better than it is now. You don't want a revolution. You want an evolution. Because a revolution comes and goes. The worst thing to happen would be if people start throwing females on the radio just to put females on the radio. Yeah, because it's so much better when it has substance. And and girls write substance songs. It's just more difficult to play it on the radio. And... And I just think it's it's not balanced and it's not true real life when you're not playing women. I don't even want balance because I'm okay if it's imbalanced the other way. I'm as long okay as if it's it, good. That's all I want. Yeah. Like let's not not do things because of something. And I see it. I deal with it all the time. But, well, oh, I'm going to ask one more thing I'm gonna wrap, before we wrap up. Like are you making a lot of money in your clothing line? Mm-mm. Because I wouldn't think you would early. <laughs> it's a new business, you know? It's like, it's a brand new baby. So. Are you in the hole a lot, though? No. Do you have investors that, that came in? Uh-huh. You can, I, give well, me, you can call me and be like, hey, you want to come yeah, right. in? <laughs> you wanna, in? Yeah, you want to invest on the worst stress list? Uh, Those are the kind of lists I like to invest in because you get in low. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The stock is low. Um, it's been successful. Tell me about this line. It's been successful. Um and my, I have a partner, an apparel partner in New York that, like, executes the vision. Um, but I'm not a person to just throw my name on something. So, like, I'm going to New York early in the morning, and we're brainstorming about a few pieces. And I will hover over fabric for hours and hours and hours tomorrow, and I will... I'm not a sketcher, but I will like write out notes tonight, like all the time about details and what I want to do. I really love fashion, and I always have. And I love it's an expression of the music in a deeper way to me. 
and it's part of your personality. I mean, I love that you guys are wearing those jumpsuits and stuff because it it is y'all's personality. It's your personality, and it is so identifiable. It's like, you know, bam, you're saying something. And you know what we're saying is the Raging Idiots, this is the God's honest truth. Like, that band became, it should never become anything. It really shouldn't have because I can't sing, and we're not any good. And I surround myself with... You can with, sing. I saw no, no, you. No, I've no, seen no, you no, singing. No, 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 no. So, secondly, uh, people would come out, they'd be like, what is this about? Because the last thing I want to do is see an actor get up and try to be an athlete or an actor get up and try to be a singer. I'm not trying to watch Eddie Murphy download his right. songs. So I was like, okay. People are always like, all right, prove me. You suck. Prove me wrong. So I was like, I don't want that. We're going to put on stupid jumpsuits and so you know when we walk out there, we know we're not serious and you're going to have fun. And that's it. Well, and I mean, that's why you're selling out places because people are having a big old party. You know, that's the key too to Luke. That guy knows his audience. You know your audience. He knows his audience. He is so in touch. Church, he knows his audience. He goes out there and it's like he's, you know, it's like method acting. It's like, not not that he's an actor, but you know what I'm saying? He is in tune with what his fans want to No, hear. I get it because I know what my listeners want and I try to give them exactly what they want. Because mm-hmm. I, I know what they want because I am them. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the weirdest thing. Sometimes I think we don't. Like, we don't give... We, we're all, Sometimes we get lost in our own art of... You're also four people, to yeah. be fair, with four different personalities. Very different. And lives and influences. And so, I mean, you're a mom. Your mom. Yes. It's like your kid's famous to me. I see him on Instagram. I'm like, your, your kid, your kid, if I saw him, I'd be like, holy crap, look, your kid, your kid's famous to me because I always see him on Instagram. I like pictures all the time. Jimmy's coaching basketball right now. We have a double, double game tonight. How does he, does he coach all the time? Is he the uh, coach? He's the coach, he's the co-coach of this league of basketball. Are you guys Seven-year-olds. able to have a somewhat normal neighborhood where people don't? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We, I mean, you know, school friends and Elijah doesn't know that this is not normal. He thinks getting on the bus and you know. Is he cool because of you guys? Like, is he popular because his mom and dad are uh, a little big? Time? I don't really have a. I don't know. I really don't know. I do know that I almost teared up at the Predators game when Elijah didn't know it, but he was sitting. He knew he was sitting behind Keith because he knows Keith um, from touring, but. He was sitting next to Mac Davis, and he didn't know it. And Mac Davis is just one of the greatest songwriters ever. And and when the Predator scored, the whole you know suite erupted with joy. And Keith turned around and slapped Elijah Five, and then Mac Davis slapped Elijah Five. And I was like, my child does not know <laughs> that he is te- he is literally slapping Five with two people that have. So much musical influence on not just me as a writer and a singer, but on country music history. I mean, Keith is a future Hall of Famer. Mac just won the Icon Award. We sang In the Ghetto. He wrote In the Ghetto. Yeah, crazy, huh? I mean, so I got a little, I get teary-eyed on things like that just because I think he, someday he'll understand it. Does he want to sing? Because his mom and dad do? He more likes to dance, and he credits Luke all the time that... That's where the moves come from. He's kind of a good dancer. He plays drums, plays a little guitar. He sings, but he sings. He, I think he's going to be more into rap music. Just like his mom. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> he loves Michael Jackson and Bruno Mars. Like, he likes things that groove. So he's not as into our ballads as he likes, like, you know, the fast songs or the rocking songs. Well, I think, let's see, Kelsey Marin, you are the next. We only have one left on the wall. These are, I have six pictures on the wall that I keep. I don't put anybody else up there. Those are like the people, those are like, it's, it's you guys, Kelsey. And listen, I work in radio, I get all this crap. I get crap all the time. All the time, people send me crap. Here's a plaque, here's some crap. I don't keep any of it. I'm but so glad we made the wall. Those are like my the people that I really enjoy being around. And it's Kelsey, you guys, Marin, Pasley, Jansen, and Urban. And Urban's the only one that hasn't come in yet. I haven't let him yet. This was never going to be artists. It was never going to be, we're just going to bring songwriters in. And then Marin was the first artist to go, can I please come on? And I was like, no. How long do we keep Marin off? Two months? And then... And then Dirk's... No, no then, then Kelsey. Kelsey and Jake. Jake, Dirk. Has Cam done it? Because you and Cam are friends. No, Cam hasn't done it yet. Yeah, Cam and I are friends. But now has done Lindsay yet. done it? Yeah, but it was different. It was when we first... It was before. It was, no. Uh, no, it was when we first started dating, huh? Yeah. Like, when we first started dating. And so she came on then. But, yeah, anyway, I'm glad to have, have you in. That's, that's, I, I, did you have fun? Yes. Is I this, hope I didn't bore you. No, no. If you'd have bored me, I would have changed subjects. No, listen... <laughs> This, you, you are the genius. This you are is the what good you do. What you do, and I do what I do. <laughs> so would you know? Like, would would you be mad if I had a radio show? No. Why would I be mad? No, just like we were talking about. Oh, with Lindsay, that thing. No, like like Eddie Murphy. Like you wouldn't, you know. And you were talking about no, actors and becoming singers and different. Like I like Chuck Wicks, and mm-hmm. Chuck's over on the Cumulus yeah. Station, and he's an he's an artist. I think they, they're making him kind of play a character over there. He's really not, but I like Chuck, and I think. Yeah, I don't. You know, what do I care? I think everybody should go out and just do the best they can do, make what you can make. I mean, I don't want. I don't, I don't want to do a radio show. Well, but you I think it's too hard. I think it's hard. Hours, you don't sleep. I don't know suck. how you sleep. Well, but that's you also just got back me. from Haiti. I'm on the road every weekend. I do since January till well. I, I've been doing stand up all weekend, so my cl- my clocks never. Get I want to come to a stand up show. Now, I, we did. Want, I did want to uh, tee back, and but you'd be on the road. Well, but, not so, as much this summer. Yeah, but I don't do it in Nashville. Have you ever had Josh Wolf here? Can you remember Josh Wolf? Oh, no, no, no. I know Josh, but never had him here. But you know who played? Because I did. It, you know, here's a funny story for you. So, um, first of all, it's a Nashville show. I don't like to play Nashville shows. I love my Nashville listeners, but mm-hmm. everybody from all the blogs and all the pay, they all want to come out and see if you suck. It's not see if you're good. <laughs> they all want to come out and just see if you suck. I know. Because they've been seeing ticket sales. They've been seeing Twitter posts, the full theaters. Let's just see if you suck. That's what everybody's thinking <laughs> when they come out, right? So I'm like, great. I got to get. But I, like, my national listeners are amazing. But I, it's like I don't want to deal with the, the see if you suckers, right? So I'm like, what? Just, I just want to do it. Uh, so Ross Copperman comes out. and he I love co- Ross. He comes down. And Ross is a friend. He's been on. And so Ross comes down and he plays um, – the song that he wrote for Chesney, uh, which one? What, what? One of like thirty-five. Yeah, the ones big one with pink. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, sunshine uh, in the pink. Yeah. Kingdom. What is it? World. Yeah, Sunshine in the World. If I sings that, and Carly Pierce, who I'm taking out with me, is my main act. Love her uh, for voice. the next for the rest of the year. She's my awesome. she's my um, awesome. support. And so she comes up and plays. And who do I? Who comes up? Who do I bring up? Uh, Zach. Zach Crow. Okay, so do you know who Zach Crow is? Okay. Yes. He's Sam Hunt. He produced. Uh, like wrote body like a back row. Yeah. Okay. I don't know who he is. I had no idea who he was. I don't. I don't know that I've met Zach, but I know his name. I know nothing about him. And all this, I'm doing this bit where I don't want to run the bit, but I, I juggle knives and I hump a face and stuff, right? And so 
I have no idea who he is, but I'm humping his face, basically. And he doesn't oh know. Oh, my gosh. He has a blindfold on, and everybody's laughing. And he goes back down to his seat, and I finish the show. And someone's like, oh, that was a guy. Bro. Like, produced by, like, a back road. And I was like, oh. So he's coming in, in like, three weeks. I, I, I owe it to him, right, to come in. But, yeah, he should come out sometime. It's he fine. wasn't mad, though. I don't, I, I don't know, because I didn't care. Maybe I just, it'll be your second fight. On I did do the show. Yeah. Do you ever have any hecklers there? Um, I had like someone comedy? stand up. Um, no, two reasons. One, I do theaters. So, the theaters are usually between a thousand and twenty five hundred, depending on what town I'm in, and they're in seats, and it's very uh, everybody's got, you have their attention. Yeah, right. And theaters are different. Than, yeah, no, it's different for us too. Yeah. And so, no, and because tickets aren't super cheap, people are there to really like focus and have. And, and the crowd usually shut people up. If listen, somebody starts yelling something, the crowd will be like shut. They'll beat them up. So I don't have to worry about that. Like my people always have my back. Have you ever had a fight breakout? Yes. I was in, uh, well, Boston, there was a fight. Boston, they fought before I got in there. But in in Western Massachusetts, uh, someone stands up and yells, I'm going to shoot you. <gasps> and I'm like, oh, I've already had it. I've had like five incidents, right, where I think I'm going to like die already. And so I'm like, well, so I just sit down behind the speaker because I know the promoter is going to not pay me if I leave the stage. Because sometimes promoters may not be the nicest of guys. We may be looking for reasons to not pay me. And so I signed a contract. Not to, I was doing my hour set. And all of a sudden, there's a fist fight in the audience. There's another fist fight right below it. And I don't leave the stage. And I sit behind it. And I just keep talking. The cops came. It was a whole thing. And then they get pulled everybody out of the theater. And I was like, so anyway. <gasps> they pulled everybody out of the theater. They, they pulled everybody that was fighting. They put, took people to jail. It's amazing. But I never left the stage. And then I went right back into the act. And everybody was kind of like, but. It, I've stopped a show before with a fight. You have? Oh, yeah. Because I saw like a guy like trying to hit a girl. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like right in the middle of a song. Is that before YouTube? No. Uh, like before people started doing that on YouTube? Yeah, maybe. Because I think that would be put up all over the internet. Yeah. Uh, you know what happens? Fights happen a lot. Drinking. It's the drinking. It's the drinking. That's what happens on my shows hand. too. I mean, I would think at an Eric Church show that it would be like have a fight every night. Or every everywhere. Like yeah. you would just... Which area of the crowd would I like to look and see a fight? But And with Luke, we would see them get really, like, really having a good time, and some of them would get out of hand, you know? But I, I, I don't like that. I want you to, like, come and have a good time. Chill For it. me, because it's quiet, and I don't go on until, like, this show, start, show starts at, doors open at 7, show starts at 8, my first act goes on, and then, say, Walker opened for me for six months. A Carly will now. And then I'll come on third, right, and do it. Start. By that point, if they're drinking, they've been drinking a lot. Right. And it's really quiet, so you hear everything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, it's fun. You should, I, I hope you come sometime. I would love to come. I'll be, I'll 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 come. come. And I'll come to one of your shows sometime. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll Wikipedia you before we but, do this but again. Here, here's the thing. People don't realize that, really, you don't get to spend a lot of time with people in this town because when mm-hmm. you're home, you're doing home stuff. And then when it's time to do, like, People stuff, you're on the road. Yeah, the only time are like the Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays sometimes. Yeah. I'm glad you came by. Well, thank you for having me, and thanks for letting me do the voice. I didn't let you do the voice, first well, of all. No, there was not, nothing. I know, but you you were gracious about it. There was nothing even gracious. You had to go do the voice. Didn't Wheeler Walker Jr. Um, do it? And yeah, yeah. Do you know he, Ben? I just met him. Nice guy. At Liz Rose's um, yeah. album release. Nice guy. He was like, funny. I know. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not, crazy. He's a nice guy. Like, I, I ain't even going to run a shit. I think he follows me now on Instagram. I'm so honored. Yeah, he's a nice guy. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Thank I hope, you. I hope this was 
therapeutic. It was awesome. And I think like you going to Haiti and surprising Amy was the sweetest thing I've seen anybody do in a long time. That was, she was about to like, she was losing it on the show. I'm a little uncomfortable. Okay, right talking now about it. Because, not because of the subject, but because she's done it like 20 times. And I did it once, and all of a sudden, people are like, Bobby, you're the greatest. And I'm like, I know, but you that's have your, no idea. Like, but, Amy does but it all the time. I know, but that she's you're her friend. That's like a best friend going, hey, I wanted to go meet your kids. Yeah, that's a best friend thing. Like, we're not radio co-hosts. Right, yeah, I can tell you're best friends. Like, that's like my... Yeah, you wouldn't do it if you... No. I mean... Like, I don't... You think Mike D, I care any crap about him? I'm just kidding. Mike D, like my dear, dear. Mike D's been since my intern, like years and years and years and years and years ago. Oh, that whole show is my team. From they're yeah. all friends. They're, none of them are radio people. Thankfully, they're lunchbox. All, no lunchbox for 13 years. Men in a bar. So they were all on the Austin show, the talk show. Some of them were, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Amy and Lunchbox were. Ray was an intern. Morgan, my executive producer, was an intern. Mike was an intern. Like everybody was. Does Ray really have bed bug bites? On, yes, I don't know what he is. I don't. Know. I, don't I don't ask that kind of questions. I, I saw the Instagram today. Disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. Well, we're going to go. I appreciate, okay, I appreciate thank you. you talking to us. Uh, episode, what's this, Mike? 66. 66. I feel like I've learned <laughs> a Thank lot. you for the, the trip down memory lane. I'd really write, I mean, that Karen Lee, Lee man, yeah, there's that. really something to that. You should re-explore that maybe. <laughs> All right, we're going to go. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye, everybody. Little Big Town Week on the Bobbycast. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacova's.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.